1: There's nothing to investigate unless you have evidence.
2: I'm trying to get to the truth.
0: Hello and welcome to Hooked on Redemption with me, Gordon Hayden. Thank you so much for listening as the series has played out. What did you think? Colette finally getting her redemption were you satisfied did you think everything was tied up the way you liked it we'll be getting into our deep dive of episode six and looking back at the series with serena bellissimo very shortly but first let us hear from redemption director john hayes i met him after a very special cast and crew screening of episode six before we hear from john here's just some of the standout moments from redemption
2: is that collecting him? We needed to come to Dublin to identify a body.
1: It's her. I haven't seen my daughter for twenty years. Who are you? I'm your grandmother. Did your mum ever mention me? She said you threw her out of home when she was seventeen. I looked for her for years. She didn't want to be found. I don't think Stacey killed herself. I think Owen Maloney had something to do with it.
2: Maloney's been on our radar for a while. He's part of the Donnelly gang. There's nothing to investigate unless you have evidence. Owen's overreached with this latest robbery. Johnny's are not going to be happy about this. We think he's gone to ground.
1: If he loved you, do you really think he'd have you dealing his drugs for him? Get out of my room!
2: They're old enough to decide who they want to live with.
1: They have to know that I'm going to choose Dad. I've been tracing Stacey's last phone calls. I'm looking for Ross Corby. He couldn't give me his address by any chance.
0: Hello? John, pleasure to meet you. John, redemption, how did this project come your way?
2: Oh, I had worked with um, Catherine Oldfield, who's the exec producer before, on a couple of projects. She actually a project called Bancroft in the UK and a previous project that I called Home Fires, both with ITV. So again we we kind of kept in touch over the years and she approached me with the project. In terms of character Colette Cunningham
0: why do you think this is going to be a real standout character for Irish television, and not only, I suppose, Irish television internationally? Because this is the plan with Redemption to travel overseas as well.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, what's I think really interesting, and certainly one of the things that drew me to the show, is that we experience the story almost exclusively through Colette's character. So she's this kind of fish out of water who's never been. She's been to Dublin once before, thirty years ago, and she completely kind of leaves her life in Liverpool behind to come over to Dublin. Um, and then, yeah, and relocates when she finds that she has these two young grandkids she never knew she had. And again, we get to kind of experience Dublin and the story of the show through her. And she's on screen for oh, 95% of the time. So again, I think that's kind of quite unique. Even though it's kind of an ensemble piece, there's obviously a number of other characters who I hope the audience will find interesting. Colette's character is absolutely the spine of the story.
0: Working on any project, John, you're always up against the clock. And I'm really curious to know about a shoot day, especially when you've got big emotional scenes, to get on, whether it be on film or digitally now at this stage. But in terms of luxury of takes, and you're fighting that clock, do you know in advance, like, we might only have three takes on this? Like, does that ever enter your mind in terms
2: of what we might actually get here? Oh, look, I think, obviously, time is all, it's kind of. It's always the kind of the great enemy on a film set. Um, but I was really lucky with the team I had around me, particularly Gail who's my first AD who's really experienced um, and who kind of put together a really workable schedule on a kind of again with I mean kind of limited enough means and um, so obviously going in there was never any days there were some very heavy days but nothing that I felt was absolutely unachievable going in and then in terms of takes I suppose you're always kind of I never go in with a preconceived idea of how many takes it's going to be because I think you know when you know. Um, and I think the most important thing is if you get it on the first take, have the confidence to move on because sometime further down the line, for whatever reason, you might be four, five, six takes. Do you know what I mean? So again, I think the most important thing is that you're not sitting in an edit suite in four months' time scratching your head going, why didn't I go again? You know what I mean? So again, it's just kind of having the confidence to move on when you have it and then knowing if there's something else to be mined from a scene that's worth spending the time on.
0: John, looking at your career, you know, second unit on, you know, projects like uh, Game of Thrones, Valhalla, then of course directing the likes of Doctor Who and uh, Dublin Murders, now we've got Redemption. For listeners to the podcast who are really curious as well about trying to get a foothold in this industry, because from talking to so many different people involved in film and television, their way in can differ. Like, what advice would you have for anybody like that that has dreams or aspirations of wanting to become a director?
2: oh look i think the most important thing is just obviously to kind of to keep trying and um, i think what's changed an awful lot since i started which is i think great for young kind of directors starting out is the technology's made made it kind of much more affordable for people to be able to go and shoot their own things and then edit them and, and put together something that looks pretty professional on their laptop which allows people to kind of tell their own stories because i think no matter what means you have to tell a story if the story's good and it's told by somebody who knows what they're doing or certainly somebody who has got kind of is capable of taking those first steps. A good producer will see that and and kind of again kind of hopefully give those people a break, you know what I mean? So I think try if I could give, I suppose, young directors any advice, it's just to try and tell their own stories and then just again, doesn't matter how much money you have, if you're doing it on your laptop with a bunch of friends, just try and tell that story and then try and get it out there to people to see your work.
0: John, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you and we wish you all the best at redemption.
2: It's lovely. Thanks.
0: And that is series director John Hayes talking to me at the cast and crew screening of episode 6 of Redemption. Do I think he's
1: guilty of more than just possession? Yeah, I do. Sean, sure, I need you to do something
2: for me. Yeah, no, of course. How long have you been working for Owen? You want Caroline to live with you? Well, I'm telling you now, that's not going to happen. You need to see this. Hello?
0: Hello, Colette. Well, now the time has come to really get into the last episode of Redemption. I can't believe we're here. The last six weeks have flown past. I hope you've enjoyed listening to our deep dive into each episode. And It's always great to be joined by Serena Bellissimo to take a look at each episode in great detail. And Serena, we finally got our redemption. And now we're going to really get into the episode and some of the theories that we thought about how they've all played out. And we'll be honest now in our thoughts. So Serena, let's get into episode six. And if people remember, we saw Ross at the end of episode five. We now know that he is in cahoots with Owen Maloney, played by Mo Dunford. But Owen Maloney is a man who's unhinged. So it pretty much this episode picks up directly uh, off the back of episode five.
1: Yeah, now this episode was a bit different to all the others because in every other episode we had a story B, a crime of the week that we'd be talking about. But this one, they were just like, no, all of this has come down to this moment. And it's really funny. We do know that Ross is in cahoots with Owen But even towards the end, I didn't know how much he, like, I I know he was really involved, but I don't know how much was he's doing or how much was Owens doing? Like, is he an innocent? Well, obviously he's not innocent because he was involved, but is he someone who has just been manipulated?
0: Oh yeah. See, that's the thing, isn't it? Like you did, you did feel that at the beginning that it was like easy cash for Ross working with the likes of yeah. Maloney and that he'll do a few little jobs. But then it was a real case of things got over his head. And then he realized that Maloney is not a man not to be, uh, to be messed with. And then the intimidation really kind of kicks in. And then Owen is right Ross is then completely and utterly out of his depth. It seems.
1: Yeah. Because like it gets, there was no wasting any time in this episode. It got straight into it. And at the very beginning we saw, um, uh, Colette asked Siobhan to do her a favour and try and get CCTV footage from the pub, because Colette was con- was convinced there'd be some damning damning evidence in there. And we didn't know at the very beginning because you see her face; she's watching the evidence, and we know it's something. It must be something bad about um, Ross. But I could never have imagined what she saw. We didn't have to wait too long before we saw what came up on the CCTV footage was the fact that Ross was out with Siobhan. Because, you know, all of a sudden he's arrested for Siobhan's murder. And we're like, why is oh, he arrested Stacey's for the murder? murder? What is going on? Sorry, Stacey's, Siobhan is yeah. well and truly alive. <laughs> but, you know, he's arrested for Stacy's murder. So yes. what is on this footage? And then we see that he's actually, it starts off, it still is quite innocent enough. I thought they were going to turn around and say I was having an affair with Stacy, because he was there having a drink with Stacy. But it wasn't until he he um, dropped some drugs into Stacey's drink, that you went, Oh, this doesn't bode well.
0: Nasty, nasty. Because what had happened, Stacey had gone to his the pub that uh, he works in, and the strong box pub, I think it is, and to have a chat to basically tell him, You need to back off, Cara. Yeah. I know what you're doing. I know you're dealing drugs, and I do not want my daughter involved in this. And she was there to have a stern word that he now needs to back away. But little does Stacey know. That in a way it's all been like one big ploy for her to meet with Ross because he is a foot soldier for Maloney. Yeah. He has drugged her, not in not to, to have some sort of re- revenge himself, but in order to have her drugged to serve her essentially on a platter to Maloney, bring her to the Phoenix Park where Maloney would set the scene for uh, that suicide. And that's what the organized crime unit initially were working off of the fact that they believed that Stacey had taken her own life and not realizing. Well, actually, no, Maloney made sure she was drugged. So then he could then, as I say, stage this suicide. How did you think, though, as a matter of interest? I was actually now that I've seen the whole thing, I was nearly shocked that Maloney was going to go to that level because Stacey Wanted to break up with them. She wanted to be rid of him from her life. But I never knew that she was thinking of going to the guards or anything about him. I don't know if that was, was that ever mentioned? If, if it was, I, I definitely went over my head.
1: I don't know. See, it wasn't ever, ever mentioned. But what Stacey did have, and this is what we found out when um, Colette went, we're fast forwarding a little bit here, but we'll come back to what you're saying. When Colette went to her house and see, saw that she'd been broken into, Maloney had picked up the bag that no did she have the bag still
0: she what was that bit where i think she still had the bag yeah she, she had still the bag had that's the bag. right yes.
1: and maloney really wanted this usb stick so obviously stacy we don't know whether she was going to go to the police or not but she had some really damning evidence on him on this usb stick and the donnelly brothers as well that really maybe could have been the thing that sent them over the edge
0: that's true and maybe he kind of thought you know what I'm not taking any risks. I want I'm going to get rid of her and I'll retrieve the bag. And then because he's again, he's under an awful lot of pressure. We never really learned as well, Serena, what level of trouble Maloney was in with his with his bosses, with the Donnelly's. But we know he's in a lot of trouble. And essentially, if he does not retrieve the contents of that bag life, as he knows, it would be over.
1: Yeah. yeah, And that's why I think it's all got to do with this. This is how Stacey was entangled in all of this. She somehow had the USB stick because I thought it was the drugs and the money that he wanted, but it wasn't that. He was when he didn't see the USB stick, that's when he went mad. But we're going to come to that in a sec. We're going to go back to Ross for a second, because this is where it all kicked off. She was interrogating Ross with her partner, Patrick. They went in there And they did the interrogation stuff. And then I really thought the ship was going to hit the fan when all of a sudden Jane turned up and it's like, oh, no, this isn't good. This isn't good. But I think for the first time, Jane's eyes were opened to how quickly organized crime sort of just wrapped this case up, didn't really look into it. And Jane was almost offering her own apologies by the end, wasn't she?
0: Oh, she was big time because at first she comes in all oh, get right out, you know, and stomping. And how dare you sort of continue working on this when you really should have handed it over and you've made it way too personal. But I love that exchange that when Colette has had to take a break from the interview and organized crime step in and essentially the whole case has been taken from her and she goes up to that rooftop terrorists where they always seem to go up there to get to, to catch a breath. And Jane follows yeah. her up. And I thought it was brilliant how she handled it with Jane. Like she was forceful. She let Jane know exactly the major mistake that organized crime made. And Jane essentially was now properly on the the back ropes really for the first time. And she knew she's such a great detective, Colette. And really, yeah. I have I suppose in one way, she's underestimated how good she is and the flaws that are very much evident within her department. So I thought that was really well done. And I suppose when you see all the story play out, you kind of really see characters like Ross, for example, going back to him. What a nasty piece of work he was. But then again, I know you can turn and say, but how manipulated he was. But the the length that he would go to that level of manipulation. Um, So just let's move on then as well, Serena, because there's a lot uh, still to dissect from this episode, yeah. because there's still much more. There's an awful lot of Maloney to get in this particular episode because Colette is left with a choice when she returns to the family home because she's told by Jane, look, you need to take some time out and go home. You need to step back now. But when she does get home, Serena, she is shocked by the scene that awaits her when she gets back to Stacy's house.
1: Yeah, they'd both basically been broken into. She'd been remember she on the drive home. She was trying to get in contact with Kara and Liam. She couldn't get in contact with Kara, so she got in contact with Liam and told him to come straight to the house. When she got to the house, she kept ringing Kara and the phone was ringing. So that's when she realized not only had the house been broken into, but Kara, something was amiss with Kara because no teenager, actually no adult, <laughs> leaves their phone behind. So that's when she clicked that things weren't weren't right. And actually, then when her phone started ringing, she answered Kara's phone, and that's how she found out that Maloney had Kara.
0: And then yeah, and when he and he basically says to her, "You've got was it forty minutes? To yeah, get that bag. I will text you the address. Meet me there." And you can hear Cara on the other end of the phone. She's in a terrible way. And we know Maloney, this man is a killer. And God knows what sort of fate awaits Cara if Colette does not act in time. And Serena, the interesting thing is, though, in the bag, because the the whole time we've seen the bag, we've always seen the rolled up notes and we've seen uh, the drugs in it. Yeah, yeah. But going back to this USB key, this is the first time it shows up. Yeah. I, now
1: I don't know. Had she never said, se- and I don't think she'd ever seen it before because the first thing she did, and I this is when I was yelling at the screen going, you only have 40 minutes. Do not try and figure out what's on this USB key. Because the first thing she tried to do is she tried to um, find out what was on it. But as soon as obviously she put it in, she realized it was password protected. And I'm so glad she didn't go down that route of, oh, let's try this password. Let's try that password. She just realized that was it. And then she made her way down to Owen Maloney. And it was quite scary because we didn't know what was awaiting her. Is Kara still alive? Either?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So she gets to the warehouse very similar to one of the lockups that we would have seen in one of the earlier episodes when she had uh, yeah. those uh, keys. But she ends up coming face to face with Maloney. He is a man unhinged. He has a gun pointed at Kara, it's that it's it feels like it's a very old-fashioned like setup you know Colette has the bag and again we're still assuming that he is more interested in the likes of the drugs and the money but yeah. really once he starts rifling through the bag and he can't find the USB he becomes even more unhinged and Colette does try to talk with him she does say doesn't she mention something around the, the Donnellys and about how like I, don't have the USB, but I can take you to it. But you need to let Kara go. I was actually shocked that he did let Kara go. Um, yeah. But then again, I suppose he's a man that's unhinged. He just wants that USB key. He'll nearly do whatever just to get it.
1: Well, I was, I, I was like, you was like, would you really let her go? Would you not kill her? But he knew that if he killed her, then she'd have nothing to lose. There is no way he'd be getting the USB. So this is when, this is why she's such a great detective because she did the double cross. She knew beforehand she'd hidden the USB key in the car and she basically talked him off the ledge going, you need to let her go and then you'll get the key. Well, he lets her go. And I think, look, a desperate man does desperate things, don't they? This is where they say criminals end up, it's the smallest thing that ends up tripping them up. And this is a thing. He was so desperate for that USB key that this was going to be the thing that tripped him up. So, Kara runs. He was like, you know, no funny business, blah, blah, blah. She goes to the car. And I didn't realise, Gordon, that she'd hidden her gun because as soon as she got into the warehouse, the first thing he did really smartly was like tapped her down and made sure there were no wires, there were no guns, no weapons. And so, by the time she got to the car, she played her move because I was wondering how is this all going to play out? But this is where she made her move. She didn't reach for the USB key as we thought she reached for her gun and that's when she shot him. And I was just like, I, when I saw her go for the shoulder, I went, Oh my God, don't tell me she's gone for the heart. Cause if she's gone for the heart, she's in massive trouble, but she went for the shoulder. And that's when everything started un- unraveling for, for Maloney.
0: He now really is a walking dead man. And uh, because when, yeah, organized, literally. when organized crime arrive and the yeah. everything plays out and thankfully Cara is safe, And so is Colette. But Maloney, as he's been put into the back of the ambulance, he knows that he is on borrowed time. And you can really see by the detectives. I'm glad that they did offer up an apology, in particular, the first detective who rang Colette to let her know about Stacey's death. He did as best they could in terms of apologize, but he knew they were just they really, really um, underperformed and did a massive disservice.
1: They did. But you know what? The sweetest moment I thought in amongst all of this mess when she was at the ambulance with Cara, the medics were looking over Cara and um, Colette was standing there and she looks over and she sees Jane in the distance and Jane just gives her a nod. And I went, that's actually really lovely. It was really sweet.
0: It was really good. And you know what? It was almost like, yeah, it, it there was so much validation within that look. Yeah. It was so, so strong. Now, one of the, the other side of the story. So that now is all wrapped up. Maloney, the bad guy, the villain that was finally being exposed. He is now going to be behind bars. The other side of the story, which we were intrigued to see what would play, where would the children go? Because we know Niall, who's played by Ian Lloyd Anderson, he wants full custody of the children. And there's been a real battle between him and Colette. And that was the other side of the story thought, where is this going to play out? What did you think, Serena? Did you honestly see the outcome going the way it went?
1: Yeah, I did. I think you had to have look, um, yes and no, because you know, I always thought Cara was involved in all of this. And I have to say, I went into this episode going, oh no, no, please, please don't let her be involved because I don't think I could I could handle that. So it was lovely to say that she wasn't involved in the end, but I always thought that what I came to realize as each episode went on, this redemption had nothing to do with Maloney it was colette's redemption mm. so if she was to get any redemption from the messed up relationship she had with her daughter to non-existent relationship she had with her daughter it was to be able to be with her, be there for her daughter after death mm-hmm. and be there for her grandkids so i wasn't surprised that it turned out the way it did i was surprised that all of a sudden the dad did just turn up after all of this palaver and for someone who wants the best for his kids he didn't really listen to what um, his girlfriend was saying to him or what Colette was saying to him, because he was just like, okay, we need to have it out now. We, I'm, I'm going to take the kids. We're going to call them down. And I'm like this Nile is not the most appropriate moment to ask your kids where they want to live. And this is probably why you shouldn't be their main yes. caregiver.
0: Oh, I, it did have the happy ending. I honestly thought it, he was going to get custody that the kids were going to go to him because Colette was going to go back to Liverpool because remember she was meant to be on like a a break from Liverpool and that get the kids settled with their father and that there would be a connection, a strong connection between them, but they would be going to live with Niall. So it's interesting now that they haven't, uh, that that that, that hasn't played out, but it is the happy family conclusion that if you've been following this from the get go, that you would like to have seen like collect getting her redemption and then this side of it really then being hammered home, what she couldn't do for her daughter in life. Yeah. She's done now for it, it, done for her in death.
1: Well, at the end as well. You, so when the, the kids decide to go with Colette, I thought Colette handled it really well as well because Colette was like, yep, this is where they need to be. Cause he was like, we need to get them out of this horrible house and all the memories that are in here. And the kids were like, no, this is where we need to be right now. But Colette didn't go. Yes, I've won. Colette turned around and went, Would you like to come over for dinner next week? So she's trying to work on that relationship and let the kids and the father have a relationship together. But at the very end, you saw the kids um, bring Colette into a room and it ended up being her bedroom and they changed the sheets and they set it up for her and it was like a very touching moment. Colette was like, you've given me this room and the kids said and ended with, with this, you're family now so she finally has the family she didn't have
0: now that we've gotten to the end serena and there's always the tendency for if something goes well more we want more of it more of it yeah. like and it's kind of interesting when we did speak to some of the cast and crew that some were kind of go, well I think this is just it's a self-contained story and you look if if they want more there's more but i if i was reading between the lines because obviously we didn't see it it feels like this might just be a one and done now that you've watched it though. Do you think there are still strands that could be developed into a series two? And if that was, and if it was to develop into a series two, it probably would be a different animal altogether. Maybe
1: it'd be completely different. So I really do think that I, I think they are setting it up for another season. I think they're setting this up for a cop drama. So, you know, the first season was for us to get to know, Colette and everything going on and her seeking her redemption and getting her redemption. But then I I don't understand why they've brought in all these other characters and gotten us attached to them and didn't develop them as much as they could have in this if it wasn't to bring them back for another season, to see how well Siobhan works with Colette, how well Patrick is in there. You know, Jane is coming to the fore. I almost feel like this could be a completely different show totally focused and it could literally be a crime of the week it doesn't have to be a you know one crime over six episodes and it just turns into a tv series about this police drama headed by colette
0: because the Donleys have been obviously mentioned they could then end up being the big bad in series two if yeah. owen is taken out of proceedings in the hospital there might be revenge there. Who knows? But also there's a, an interesting family drama still at play there. Too. Yeah. So look, there's definitely strands there that will so be intriguing to see how it all goes. Final thoughts, Serena, on Redemption.
1: Do you know what? It's great to see Irish drama taking risks. And I really appreciated saying something like this on our screens.
0: Great stuff. Serena Blissimo, it has been such a pleasure spending the last six weeks with you for our deep dive into <laughs> redemption. I hope everyone has enjoyed it as much as we have. Serena Blissimo, thank you so much for your time.
1: Thanks, Gordon.
0: And that is it for Hooked on Redemption. The podcast series was presented and produced by me, Gordon Hayden. Special thanks to Redemption producer John Wallace. Some other thanks as well to Virgin Media Television, Metropolitan Films and Tall Story Pictures. From everyone here, thank you so much for listening to the podcast and we'll chat to you on the next Hooked on. There's nothing to investigate unless you have evidence.
1: You are too close to this. You know you are. I'm trying to get to the truth. Stacy made me their guardian.
2: They're my kids.
1: I can't begin to imagine how hard this is for you.
0: What's going to happen to us?
1: We're family. I'm not going to leave you.
2: Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long.